dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. This is Father Michael. I don't know why I seem to always say hello with an accent when I do these things, but I apologize for that or I rejoice in it, whatever. Um, uh, today is Mother Natalia's episode and we are recording this especially as a recording of excitement in preparation for the Seek 24 conference, Be the Light, um, that we were invited to record a podcast at. So we'll be at Seek in St. Louis this January. So please join us there if you can. Uh, This episode, we are talking about that concept of light, especially from our Byzantine Catholic perspective, um, from the scriptures, from our saints, especially St. Fotina, the scriptures from St. Paul and St. John. We talk about the feast days of Theophany and Transfiguration and basically how Christ is the light, how we are invited into that and how that so involves community and a fellowship, etc. If you are a banter hater, I have no idea when it was. Were you paying attention, Mother? Seven minutes. Seven minutes. If you're a banter hater, skip forward um, after the end of this intro. And uh, and yeah, thank you for listening. You will also hear the roller coaster of mother's frustration with me. That started a high point, then went down again, then went to a high point again, then went down again. At the very end, it may have shot up again. Um, ah! But but she is such a forgiving person that I don't mind. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. I can't tell if the lawnmower is on my end or your end this time. Oh man, I was I wasn't even going to bring it up. No, it's it's a uh, leaf blower, and it's on my end. And uh, are you and sure? Hof- hopefully, since no, well, I'm hearing leaf- the one on my end. Oh, there's also a leaf blower on my end. So there we go. That's really Those funny. Ma- matching hums. Um, it's the yeah. Um, Ivan is the the guy who does our landscaping. He's uh, he's out there with a leaf blower right now. Uh, That's really funny. Well, I uh, the, the, on my end, leaf blowers don't take near as long as lawn uh, lawn, lawn mowers <laughs> in my experience. So mine will be done soon if you guys are hearing mine. Yeah, uh, I this is the most beautiful fall since I've moved to Ohio. I forgot fall exists. Fall exists, and it is real gorgeous <laughs> in Ohio. It's like Ohio's redeeming quality. When I was in Colorado a couple weeks ago, everybody was talking about how the aspens change because Colorado is just, you have this during the summer, you have the mountains are full green. And then when the, in the fall comes the evergreens stay evergreen, but the aspens change and turn just bright gold. And so you have Mm -hmm. this very green Bay Packers green and gold, like, like big um, patches of since basically the aspens are weeds. They, they sprout up from the root system of the other ones. So you have this entire, massive like birthmark of a of a of a <laughs> of a patch Such an odd right along the mountains. <laughs> and people love going it, it is absolutely gorgeous. And I, I miss I'm 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 saying all this mother because I'm jealous of your fall because we don't have fall in Los Angeles. Well actually though fall is I think more beautiful in Ohio than Colorado. Oh, I know. I no, I agree. Like it's, I agree. It, but it's, it's, it's just multiple colors. It's the one thing that I like about Ohio more than Colorado. <laughs> no offense to all of our Ohio listeners. All the offense. I'm really sorry. Everyone knows. All of our listeners know how much I miss Colorado and how much Ohio had to grow on me. But it did. It did grow on this me. This is how different we are, mother. Like whenever I say I like a place, I do not I'm not thinking about the place. I'm thinking about the people in that place. And it's right. it's just it's just a temperament thing, so like I I honestly I rarely even think I don't I don't I live in L A I don't even go to the beach that often because it's not like in my mind it's it's not even about the beach it's not about the mountains it's like it's all about the people it's just a very unique thing. Well, when you hear, uh, I know you mine. didn't mean people. In other words, when you said <laughs> the only reason you yes. like. Ohio, better. um, I do I do love the people in Ohio, and that's the. I mean, the monastery is what brought me here, so I love the monastery. But when you when you listen to the episode I did with Mother Petra on beauty, we do talk about how the beauty is seen more particularly uh, in different ways for different people, and that for some people, the the beauty is seen in the person, which people are a big part of where, like, that's a big place where I see beauty as well. But it's also for me, like, the mountains and the fall colors and the 
those things. Um, like art, some people are just, they go to an art museum and they're just moved to tears being in front of art. And like, art does nothing for me. That's just <laughs> completely over my head. Doesn't pierce my heart with a few exceptions. Um, the Pieta uh, definitely pierces my heart. But so there, there are some exceptions to that. But for the most part, I'm like, I'm real glad that other people find art so beautiful because it's not, it's not a thing for me. It really does give me potential. I, like it gives me hope in my potential as a celibate because I know that that when I as I said before in this podcast, my the adventures that I so yearn for in my life come through relationships. They don't come through I need to climb Everest, I need to go on an African safari, I need to go do this. I, I like travel. I, I love travel and I'm blessed to have friends that I can travel with. Um, for free because I'm a chaplain. Um, but but <laughs> but it's but there's something about the adventure of of a conversation or of doing ministry, and mm-hmm. I'll I'll I'll, g- I'll kind of give this topic next time about how to how you can find such adventure in another human's heart. What that gives me hope and potential is is that hopefully what I'm seeing in them is is God them, but also God, and that gives me hope for the potential that as a celibate. It's it's important for me to even more than most strive for a certain monastic mindset, and that's the whole. Correct me if I'm wrong. Monastic um, nun, Mother Natalia. Um, but the the whole point of monasticism is is to that you you in a sense stay put and find all of creation and the Creator in the tabernacle of your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's accurate. Okay. <laughs> um, I, you don't who seem is convinced it that- by what I said. No, I am. Uh, Evagrius is the one who talks about... I shouldn't have even brought it up because I don't remember the quote. It's something about, though, how everything you need is in your cell. But Mm. he says it poetically and beautifully, and I've totally forgotten what it is. So, Mm. whatever. Well, that that right there makes sense. Everything you need is in your cell because everything you need is in your heart. So Because God is there. That's all you need. Yeah. So, anyways, I do want to tell people, though, that it's okay for you to find beauty in things like fall and different places. And it's okay if you appreciate the beauty of travel and all of that. You need to have peace where you are, but that doesn't mean you can't appreciate the other places. I, I just feel like probably, after everything I'm, you just said, I'm you're to like, figure out, I feel I'm like it's a poo-poo on, because I feel like what oh. you're saying is like a poo-poo on anyone who actually like does want to go different places or, or appreciate no, the beauty no, of no, different. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, a, it's a temperament <laughs> difference. It's, it's not a, it's not a moral thing at all. It's totally temperament. Mm-hmm. In other words, like I have a friend, Sandy Barba, who loves, she will literally just sleep on the top of her car overlooking the ocean on a cliff. And that's like her favorite place to sleep. And like that, that's, I totally get that. I, mm-hmm. I absolutely totally get that. But, but if that means for only for my temperament means sacrificing going out the night before and hanging out with friends or getting up and seeing people in the morning, like it's, it's just not worth it for me. As, my, as much as I would enjoy that, I want, I want to do it with other people. Yeah. But yeah, this is not a moral statement at all. It's just literally, <laughs> I'm just saying it's a temperament thing. It's, Great. Well, um, you totally I, don't believe me. <laughs> no, it's fine. We're just going to move on. Uh, I don't have anything else to say about that. So we're just going to move into our topic. And our topic, we are recording this episode for the 2024 SEEK conference. And the theme of the conference is Be the Light. So I wanted to talk about that theme for this episode. And I'd like to talk about that in scripture. And uh, just a few places in scripture because obviously scripture talks about the light all over the place. And in our liturgy and in our tradition, uh, which is of course rooted in scripture, and then also a little bit in the saints. And all of that overlaps. So be the light. The first thing, I also want to talk about this with kind of an Eastern twist because I'm sure lots of podcasters are doing Sikh episodes and uh, we're probably the only Eastern Catholic podcast doing one. And so um, I feel like that's the least chance that we're going to overlap with other people. Because uh, <laughs> the, the, first, the first 
passages that come to mind are the ones about like the the city on a hill or the the lamp under the bushel basket. Uh, is it a bushel basket? Did I just make that up? Mm-hmm. I think it is. Okay. And I don't know what that think, means. A bushel basket? Well, don't you Siri, have like a bushel what of is apples? A bushel. Oh, she just went to she just went to Google. A bushel is an imperial and U.S. customary unit of volume, based upon an earlier measure of dry capacity. So it's the size, I guess. Uh huh. Um, okay. But well, go. because isn't it called like a bushel of apples when you're? Isn't that an amount of apples? I think I, I might have made right, that up too. I, I bet it is. I always thought the bushel was just another word for basket. Like a bushel of apples meant a basket of apples, but it's probably a basket of a certain oh. size. So mm-hmm. a bushel basket was it was redundant in my mind. But Jesus, you were redundant sometimes. So it's like saying ATM machine or pin number. <laughs> yeah, Those are some exactly. of my biggest pet peeves. It drives me crazy when people say that. Uh, or EIN number, any of those. It just drives me crazy. And I usually hide the annoyance when people say it, but probably not very well. And there's probably like a little twitch in my eye or something, <laughs> which is super hypocritical because all of the things that I say that are imprecise are redundant. So anyways, moving on. The I'm not going to talk about that scripture because I feel like a lot of people might. And there were, so there were, three other scriptures that I wanted to mention. One is I wanted to talk about St. Paul and St. John in their epistles. So St. Paul in his epistle to the Romans says, let us then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. And I really like this because there's this theme in a lot of St. Paul's letters where he's talking about this concept of, okay, this is what you did before, before you were acting in this way, before you were in the world in this way, and you're called now to be different. You're called now to do different. Before you were in the darkness, now you're in the light, and you need to walk according to the light. Like He's saying these things over and over again to, um, to the different people, and then we hear this uh, where, I, where I like it the most in the epistles of John. In 1 John, he says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And then a couple of verses later, he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. If, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And this is something that, I think is so particularly good to talk about regarding a focus conference. And it's a good theme for a focus conference because seek, sorry, it's called seek now. Do they, is it still called like a focus conference or they just call it seek? I don't know, but oh. are you, are you getting the, I, I like the fact that you said focus at a seek because fellowship is in the name focus. Oh, no, I didn't think about that. <laughs> I thought that's where you were going with that. I'm like, Not she where I was found going the word it. fellowship, Fantastic. the word of, the word Catholic of <laughs> university, and the word students in the Bible. And she's just going to go through one by one. I'm just kidding. No, that's yeah. way more clever than I am. Uh, no, <laughs> um, no, but it, it, the reason I was saying it's appropriate for a focus conference, apart from the word, part, apart from the concept <laughs> that focus has the word fellowship in it uh, in the acronym, it's that this is what I talked about on our previous focus podcasts and also in my conversion story that when what really brought me back to the church what I encountered in my youth group in high school, because my family had left the church when I was in high school, when I came back to youth group, I saw this joy that other people had, and I wanted to be around that joy. And then some things fell apart. I ended up not really coming back to the church. But then in college, I experienced a focus conference. I went ultimately because I had a crush on a guy, which is pretty much the reason I did anything in my life. And while I was there, I saw that same joy. I encountered that same joy in these thousands of students at this conference. But this time it's like, I saw it and I wanted it for myself. And I now can see that that joy that I was experiencing, that joy that I was seeing in the others was this light that St. Paul is talking about 
or sorry, this one's St. John, this light that St. John is talking about. And it's like, when we do this, when we're walking in the light, it inevitably will be seen because it's the light and it will, it will bring about fellowship. It will attract others. And um, because it's like any union with we, that we have with the Lord has to be fruitful. There's no such thing as fruitless encounter with the Lord or fruitless intimacy with the Lord or fruitless union with the Lord. And so, um, yeah, so I think it's, it's particularly key for a focus conference because this is what happens in these gatherings, which then becomes really important when you go home from the focus conference or from the seat conference, because you go back and you're not surrounded by thousands of others who are necessarily striving to walk in the light. And it becomes all the more important for you to hold on to that and for you to bring that light with you to invite others to walk in the light as well and to invite that fellowship because it's a, yeah, we have to kind of take on that responsibility and and take on that way of life that the the Lord is calling us to 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 cast off the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light as St. Paul said. I really like how you said that it that the light of Christ that we walk in and the union with him that we have leads to fellowship and community because it also comes from community because mm-hmm. That's when when we when we walk in Christ, we're walking in the body of Christ, which is the church. And and when we walk in the body of Christ, which is the church, we already have community because that's what the body of Christ is. Not only community with Christ, but with everybody else that is in that body of Christ. So, in in a sense, we we don't go out when Jesus tells the apostles that they will be fishers of men. He he's saying, you know, if he didn't invent them, he didn't tell them to go and invent the church. He said, invite them into my, the body of Christ, invite them into my Eucharistic body, invite them into my ecclesial body, invite them into, into the community that I established. And so we're going out to invite people into an already existing, already thriving, we may not see it in every single parish, but an an already thriving um, body of Christ, which is the church. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think I've said this before. Did I tell you about the story, the story that um, Laura Rochelle sent me? or that she posted on Instagram about the guy ha- handing out the good pieces of gold. Yeah, but you can share it again. Okay, so I'll, I'll share it again. So there was this there was this video of this guy, basically he was an entrepreneur. He wanted to prove, it was a salesman. He wanted to, it seems, I'm, I'm making it part of this, but that's how the video proposed it. He he wanted to prove that that if you are a confident salesperson, and I'm just putting this in the in the case of evangelization. If you if you are a confident, sorry, I just turned my mic towards me, and it sounds so much better. I've been like speaking to the side of it. Um, if you are a confident salesperson, you have so much confidence in what you're selling that if someone says no to you, it's more it's more a sign on their inability at that point when it comes to evangelization, their their inability to see the worth of what is being offered rather than the the fault of what's being offered. So what this guy did is he went and he bought probably it looked like in the video maybe 10 little thin kind of credit card sized um pieces of of pure solid gold. And he literally stood on a major street and I handed it out to people. You know like you have people that stand on the street handing out cards or CDs or whatever. This guy, they're trying, they're trying to sell whatever's on the car. They're trying to sell whatever's on the CD, the music on the CD. But this guy was literally just trying to hand people $2,000 in pure gold. And like nobody took it because everybody was used to being offered things they didn't want. And now here, so when he, when he literally went to hand this and they like step back or move their hand back or kept on walking, it wasn't a loss to him. It was a gain for him because he got to keep the money. So there was, there was something about that. If you know the worth and then somebody, somebody takes it, they now have $2,000 they didn't beforehand. So in other words, when it comes to evangelization, we are, we are offering something that is lit- that, I mean, literally it is union with the creator. It is union with, with the one who created us and therefore the fulfillment of all of our desires. And so if we can have that confidence in our own selves, in, in when we, if we can say, I know the worth of the one who I'm in union with, I know the worth of myself in union with him and because I'm in union with him because he created me, then evangelization is really easy 
we're none mm-hmm. of us are there, you know. So if you was, but evangelization becomes really easy because you're saying, look, we have a community, we have a God, we have a a a way of interacting with Him. We we have a a helpfulness to the world, to the poor, to the hungry, the thirsty, etc. We offer all of this in the body of Christ and the body of Christ is the light. So, so darkness, darkness is very much, that's my end. Um, darkness is <laughs> the, 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 uh, I should make a weed whacker now. Um, the, the, the darkness <laughs> is, is very much a sign of isolation hmm. and loneliness. The darkness is a lot of the things we do when we sin, we do alone. You know, mm-hmm. or, or with with you know a, a small group of, of like minded sinners, if you will, um, or at least in the be. hiddenness of our own mind. Yeah, the sin. that's a very interesting concept. Can you say more about that? I feel like a counselor, about, but I, I I'm trying to like emit. Like, say more about like well, like sins like, of what do, what do sins of thought. Them? Like oftentimes the things, the ways in which we're sinning are an interior that the other, that others can't see. Oh yes. Like they're okay. in the darkness of the I thought interior. you meant like you're hiding it from yourself. Like oh, most of your thoughts no, here. No, but there's and that then, too. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's also self-deception, but no, I mean that like even the, much of our sin is not even on the exterior. Like others can't yeah. even see it. So yeah. Yeah. Anger, lust. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. The eight evil thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although you're not very good at that, mother. I can I can um, tell when that's you're frustrated. Everything is. I can tell face. when you're frustrated with me, and you've been frustrated for the past fifteen minutes. I can tell that's okay. That is not true. I was frustrated <laughs> with you for the ten minutes before we recorded. <laughs> I have not been frustrated with you at all during recording. Okay, I believe. So you are misreading my face. Okay, I'm totally misreading your face. Um. Now I'm frustrated with you. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to move on. Can I move on to the third, <laughs> to the third scripture? Okay, so the third scriptural passage that I wanted to talk about is Fotina, because that's appropriate, because we love St. Fotina, and she's the patron of our nonprofit, which is called Fotina. And, um, and it's appropriate because Fotina is comes from the Greek word for light. So photina means enlightened or illuminated or uh, something along those lines. And I think that she's also the perfect example of what we're talking about in this. We are called to, to walk in the light and put on the light of Christ, put on this armor of light and in doing so, draw others into fellowship and into the light themselves. Because as we've talked about before, sorry, Fotina in tradition is the name given to the woman at the well. I should have said that. And most people know that at this point because the chosen actually gave her the traditionally appropriate name, which was very exciting. But uh, but before the chosen, this was in the Eastern tradition, <laughs> a couple thousand years before the chosen. Anyways, so the so she's the woman at the well, And when, so first of all, she's living in darkness, right? She encounters Jesus at the well and he tells her everything she's done, meaning he's brought everything to the light. And she's now feeling this freedom of walking in the light. And when she goes out, she tells everybody about Jesus. She tells them about this encounter she had. She she tells them about how he knew everything that she had done and, and told her everything she had done, which means there probably was a lot of self-deception there. And, and then the people came to believe through St. Fotina, but then scripture tells us that eventually they came to believe not because of her words, but because they encountered him. And like, this is, this is so key, I think, to what we're called to in walking in the light and in being the light is we're called to, to be attractive to others in that way so that they can see that what they're attracted to in us is Jesus so that they can then like fall in love with Jesus. And I, yeah, that's just this really beautiful concept that I think Fotina, whose name means light, is really, really captures. 
What do you um, think of that? I, have we talked about that before? Because that was one aspect that I've never considered as much as I love that story and I love her. The fact oh. that now, now when you say when you say that Christ enlightened everything about her, which I think is absolutely beautiful. Do uh, do you do you assume? Because I've always assumed when I explain it, I've always said that. Jesus didn't tell her everything about her. He only pointed out that she's had five husbands, which can be interpreted as sin. So Mm -hmm. she identified herself only with her sin because Mm -hmm. he only mentioned what she interpreted as the sin. There's different different interpretations of what those those five husbands may symbolize. The father Mm -hmm. speaks very eloquently about that. Um, But do you assume that, that they had more of a conversation than ended up in the gospel? Or are you saying that 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 everything she ever did would just is showing that and this is why I bring this up because I never quite understood why we gave why we gave her the name light except that she became the light of Christ to those in the town but it seems like since Christ offers her living water mm-hmm. it would make more sense to give her a name having to do with like being planted or a garden or or water or a deep well something with water rather than with light so but so this is intriguing to me that 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 that's how you've read this i think that's beautiful that christ enlightened every part of her not just the good part of her not just the bad part of her but her entire self so well i think there's a couple of reasons that i think that and this is speculation i'm not preaching this as this is what the church teaches so let's just be clear about that but my speculation is if he simply told her her sins, I don't know about the like running away rejoicing and in this new freedom and then like off telling everyone if it was simply about her sin. Uh, I guess the the one case in which I could see that is that when Christ reveals our sin to us, he does so in also offering us mercy. And so she would have encountered both at the same time. It's not it's not condemnation in in being called her sin. But I, I think it's more like when the Lord is revealing my sin to me, which he does often because he's so generous, um when the Lord reveals my sin to me there's always some aspect of helping me to see the woundedness in me that led to the sin. It's never just about the sin itself, right? It's never just like you did this thing. You need to say sorry about it uh, because Jesus wants to get to the root. So applying how he works with me to how he works with Fotina, which is probably very presumptuous and a little bold, uh, (laughs) but I'm both of those things. Then I'm I'm thinking that in revealing her sin, he's also helping her to see where that sin came from, like what's wounded in her. Um, so that's one aspect of it. But another part is simply taking Fotina at her words that when she says to the people, he told me all that I ever did. And so that's another aspect. But then the third is, this is, this is in, chapter four of John is um, the account of, of Fotina. And in verse 25, so this is after everything, this is after this encounter about the husbands and all of that. And then it says in verse 25, the woman, i.e. Fotina, said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will show us all things. And then Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And that am he is the ego me, which means the, like the I am who am in the, in the Greek form. But um, so I guess it's also a possibility that she was just knowing that like in the future, he will show us all things. But I think regardless, mm-hmm. there's this sense of enlightenment and of, of yeah. Yeah, that's why I, I would never put those what have two you to things. Say? Put those two things together either. Um, I I always interpreted the, he told me everything I ever did, just meaning that, that that's how she saw herself was all that she mm. ever did was sin. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's a very, in other words, he, there obviously is hope because she's happy she's running in, but he's, he's even changing her, her self identity from, from primarily a sinner. That's why she's there at the hottest part of the day because they're all gossiping about her. 
she's changing her identity from from being a sinner to being one who's newly enlightened. And by the way, we Byzantines, as soon as uh, someone's baptized, we call them the newly enlightened for an entire year. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, there, she, in a sense, we sometimes we call her the we call Fotina the first nun in in the in the more Western idea of that by being married to Christ. Because what do you do when you when you have a man that when you have a, a situation where a man meets a woman at a well? And says the man you're with now is not your husband. He some has some have said she may he may have meant himself. So he mm-hmm. may have said like the man you're with now, meaning himself, is not your husband, meaning he should be. And so she, in a sense, becomes not not in in the earthly marital sense, but in the in the in the sense of like a nun of of being united to Christ in that way. By the way, some some Eastern nuns, Orthodox nuns uh, in history and saints have have had that same imagery where a nun is in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. Married to Christ in that bond, um, so it's not only a Western thing, but but which that also a, but, makes sense though. The sorry, going back to the enlightened one, like the the newly enlightened servant, mm-hmm. um, Jesus is the. I mean, Jesus is the first. Uh, Fotina is the first to whom Jesus actually reveals himself in the Gospels. Right? Did I make that up? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's true. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, pre- I'm guessing I'm you're right. Sure. I, just, I would just need to look it up and see. I'm pretty sure she's the first one. What do you one. mean he reveals himself like as Like as who the actually Messiah? says, I am the Messiah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, probably. John I think four. she is, which could make sense then of why she would be called enlightened. Yeah. I think the wedding at Cana was obviously in that was earlier, his first miracle. two chapters earlier, was uh-huh. his first, they, when they began to believe in him, it says. Yeah. Um, but that that may be different than him explicitly saying I. That was his. Yeah, those were that was his first sign. But the, I'm pretty sure she's the first one though to whom he actually, like, admits to being the Messiah. Mm. Admits is a funny word, but at least in the know. Gospel of John, because in 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 the other in some of the other Gospels, he he did a lot in Galilee before he started heading south, and he's obviously already mm-hmm. heading south at this part in the mm-hmm. Gospel of John. But he, he he goes down to Jerusalem multiple times in John, and does like in Luke, he only goes down once, but in John, he goes mm-hmm. down multiple times. So it's anyway the, the the theology is being explained. So yeah, I will I will take that as a as a thing now, and I'll start saying as it. a possible if explanation. Me wrong, I will say, oh, my mother's how you said so. <laughs> You, you call That's her. You, you call her and tell her she's wrong. I dare you. That's all I'll tell her. Yeah. That's mean. <laughs> don't do that. I don't. It's um, also mean to you. <laughs> well, that's what I meant. I meant it's mean to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was only thinking about myself. Let's okay. be clear. So the so I want to I want to transition there. So let that's me just finish trans- my thought then about the first. Oh, thing. sorry. Yeah. Uh, about mm-hmm. so like. She may have been the first nun in a sense, but she made there was also a sense of the living water, which again was was this her baptism? Who knows? But the, the living water allow, allowed her then to be the newly enlightened. So there she may mm. be like in a sense be this is at least a foreshadowing of her baptism, or it is her baptism of desire or of water, whatever it may be. Um mm-hmm. there could be multiple, multiple aspects there of baptism as well as like a second baptism, which is what we sometimes call monasticism. So there's a lot there. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay, I sorry, didn't ahead. think about most of those things. So I'm grateful you brought them up. Uh, so I wanted to transition from scripture into some of our liturgy and tradition, which is good because Fotina is also, that's one of those overlaps between scripture and tradition. And another of those is theophany, which this is great because uh, I want to talk for five or 10 minutes about theophany, which was requested as a mini topic from one of our listeners. Yeah. So we're going to count this as that. Theophany is one of my favorite feasts. We celebrate it on January 6th in the East, and it's the feast of the baptism of our Lord in the Jordan. And which I think in the West, they celebrate the baptism of the Lord on the Sunday after Epiphany, something. I believe. Sunday after, Sunday after Epiphany. So Epiphany for the in the West is January sixth, and which is our Theophany. So they celebrate the baptism of the Lord the Sunday after we celebrate it. Yes, I believe so. That seems that seems true. I think you're right, and it's it's one of the most beautiful feasts that we have in the East. Like liturgically, it's just glorious. It's 
we have, we spend hours in the chapel the day before we spend hours in the chapel the day of there's a huge pre-festive period. There's a huge post-festive period. And we're singing all of these hymns about the baptism of the Lord. And on January 7th, the day after theophany, we have the feast of St. John the Baptist, because this is a common practice in the East is the day after a major feast, we celebrate kind of the other key characters of that feast. So for us, the Feast of the Mother of God is not January 1st. That's when we celebrate the circumcision of the Lord. For us, the Feast of the Mother of God is December 26th because that's the day after his nativity. And obviously Mary played a big part in the nativity. And so John the Baptist is January 7th. So Theophany the reason I want to bring it up now is because one of the reasons it's my favorite, it's not my favorite feast. One of the reasons it's amongst my favorite feasts is because there's this theme of light and of enlightenment. I realized this a few years ago. I was on a retreat, a theology of the body retreat. Mm, actually, it was probably more than a few years ago. It was probably like five years ago. And at the retreat... Uh, Christopher was talking a lot about light. That was kind of the theme of this retreat. It happened to fall, this retreat, in the post-festive period of Theophany. So Mother Theodora, who was on the retreat with me, she and I were praying the post-festive prayers for Theophany. And, um, and just all of a sudden, the theme of light in Theophany just jumped out at me. And I was seeing it all over the place. So I'm going to share just two of those places now, but it's all over. If you just look up, if you go to the Metropolitan Cancer Institute, their website, you can look up the different, you can look at the different publications. And if you look at under the general publications, probably January 6th, Theophany, it should have the propers there and you can read through them, pray with them. They're very beautiful. But in the in the Troparion of Theophany, which we sing approximately six hundred thousand times, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and one of the only ones I've memorized. Uh huh. It's that's how I know when I when I need to sing tone one tropar of anything. Uh, I I play the first parts of this tropar in my head in order to get the melody for tone one tropar because nice. seri- we because we sing it at any well we sing it a bunch throughout theophany and during the pre the post festive period. And, uh, but also during house blessings, it's the trope part that we sing over and over and over again. Yeah. And so you definitely memorize it, but the last, I'll just read the whole trope part. Uh, maybe I should sing it. Should I sing it? Sure. At your baptism in the Jordan, O Lord, Worship of the Trinity was revealed. For the Father's voice bore witness to you, calling you his beloved Son, and the Spirit in the form of a dove confirmed the truth of these words. O Christ God, you appeared and enlightened the world. Glory to you. So that last line... Oh, Christ God, you appeared and enlightened the world. Glory to you. That's unpacked in the rest of the propers. Like it's explained that all of theophany, this baptism, was about Jesus enlightening the world. And, and theophany means revelation of God. Mm-hmm, yeah. Epiphany yeah, so means like revelation. Yeah. Um, just just like a general revelation. Yeah. And then theophany is revelation of God. And which it used to be that these feasts were celebrated together. The the nativity, the visit of the wise men, and the baptism of the Lord. Was it just those three? Yeah. Some would some would say, and I don't know the history of this, the that encounter. also the wedding at Cana. Oh, because mm-hmm. that's when the he revealed himself. They began to believe in him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So these different epiphanies were all celebrated together and they've now been been split apart. But the but they all have this theme of enlightening the world. Like Jesus comes to enlighten the world and to yeah, to in a very literal sense to bring light. 
and, and he, he, the, that enlightenment is a revelation. So like he reveals himself as Trinity, as God, as being three persons in one God at Theophany, mm-hmm. because you're the voice of the Father, present of the Son, the Spirit, like a dove. The three wise men are the revelation, like evangelization, especially to the East, because they carry the message of Christ to the East. And then, uh, of course, Christmas, the, the revelation of the incarnation um, to the mm-hmm. wise men, to the shepherds, and to the world. Mm-hmm. And the, but the other, the other hymns that I wanted to share, I'm not going to sing these ones, I'm just going to read them, but the Kentuckian and the Ecos from Theophany. So this is, the Kentuckian and the Ecos are both sung after Ode 6 of the canon, which probably means nothing to most of you, but for those of you to whom it means something, there you go. And the Kentuckian says, you have revealed yourself to the world today and your light, O Lord, has set its seal on us. We recognize and exclaim to you, you have come and revealed yourself, O unapproachable light. So we're talking about twice him being the light, uh, which is also, you know, we can remember in uh, in Vespers, we sing the hymn, O Joyful Light, in which we're, we're referring to, to Christ, who is the light. So the ecos then, the ecos is so beautiful. The ecos is often my favorite part of matins because they're just so packed with, with theology and with beauty. And so anyways, the ecos is, as the prophet foretold a great light, Christ has shown upon Galilee of the Gentiles, upon the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. A people living in darkness have seen a great light shining from Bethlehem. The son of righteousness, the Lord born of Mary, casts his rays upon all those who dwell on earth. Come then, O naked children of Adam, and let us clothe ourselves in him that we may warm ourselves. For the light that no one can approach the one who is a protection and a mantle for the naked, the light to those in darkness has appeared and revealed himself today. Isn't that so beautiful? It is. And, and there's something so, about, go ahead. No, 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 go, go. I was going to say, there's something about that quote about the light that comes from Zebulun and Naphtali. Um, those are cities around the Sea of Galilee up north where Jesus actually lived his, walked his, his physical ministry cast out demons, healed, preached, et cetera. Um, but I don't think this is, I was, I was trying to be provocative the other day, but I was saying that um, one of the worst things that's ever happened to Christianity was electricity because we, 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 we create this false light um, mm. that, that doesn't, we don't realize that, and we, everywhere, I mean, I live in LA, like we, there's nowhere you can go you know, that that's truly dark ever, even the sky, you know? So there, there's a sense of when it is truly dark, and this is why the ancients would always light fires. Um, when it was truly dark, there was just so much to be afraid of, you know, mm-hmm. because our, in a sense, our humanity and our human ability to protect ourselves and sense what's around us. And so as we hear in the scriptures multiple times, you know, as the, as the watchman watches for daybreak, like his job is so much easier. Imagine like someone in a camp watching out for the enemy to attack when it's light outside, his job is so much easier. So he longs for the light because that, that he's probably scared to death all night long because the enemy can sneak up on him. Um, whereas in the light it's not. So if we understood if we had that visceral experience for the light of Christ, enlightening the darkness of our own sin, enlightening the the darkness of the, the kind of the hidden places you mentioned earlier, Mother, about you know maybe that's with Fotina. You know, she there's something exciting about him pointing out sin because he's in a sense bringing light to the thing that's keeping us from him. So you know, it's almost like I my, my previous parish. I may have shared this before. I had somebody, a family, who I finally said after years, like six years. I said, is there something, there's just tension always when I talk to you. And they shared they'd been frustrated for six years from the first time they met me until six years later. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was only frustrated with you for the 10 minutes before recording. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's nothing. That's nothing. Anyway, and and I just thought, and I thought, wow, like, like it was, it was, frustrating to hear that, that they had just been mad at me for six years and not shared what it was. Um, but it was also like, well, this is hopeful because now that I know we can, we can, you know, talk through this reality. But anyway, so yeah, the, 
the uh, the enlightening of the darkness of our minds and what that and the evil that our sin causes as hard as that be can be to hear um if we were as attracted to the light of Christ in his truth and his beauty and his goodness as we were if we were scared to death in the forest at night waiting for the enemy to attack like we should we should be more attracted of course that's why the the joyful i don't know if you're going to bring that up later on but a joyful light at, at vespers is the oldest still sung liturgical mm-hmm. hymn in the church and it's that it's that sense of oh joyful light christ you are as the sun's going down at vespers in the evening as we pray we're 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 calling upon christ who is the joyful light rather than mm-hmm. the the light of the sun yeah and yeah, so, and I, I like this concept too of the, the let us clothe ourselves in him that we may warm ourselves. Uh, and for the light that no one can approach has appeared and revealed himself today. Um, the one who is a protection and a mantle for the naked. Like it's this, it's this clothing ourselves in Christ, right? And becoming that light. And I, the, the other tradition that I want to mention briefly, uh, and then I'm going to start wrapping up a little bit, but is we've talked about this before as well, but the transfiguration, the feast of the transfiguration, which again is obviously scriptural, but part of the tradition aspect of it is that in our tradition, the transfiguration happened at night. And so I think that that's just like the fact that it's at night just makes all the more obvious the shining light of Christ. Like to say that he and his clothing shone as brilliant as the sun or whatever the translation is, but that to, to make clear that this is like the uncreated energies, this is the uncreated light that's shining forth. It's not even the light of the sun. It's the, the light of Christ himself. It's the light of God himself. And and the reason I think this is interesting is because um, this is what we are called to in our sanctity, and sometimes even in a literal sense. So, in the West, the you often hear of like the saints who who really reached like <laughs> these these um, heights of sanctity. Uh, manifesting the stigmata, the wounds of Christ. And in the East, what we hear about is, is these desert fathers and these, these Abbas who have reached the, the heights of sanctity, sanctity um, becoming illuminated as in they're, they literally glow. <laughs> and you, you hear about this in some of the stories of the desert fathers that their disciples go to them and they have to look away because, because the Abba is, is shining so brightly. You know, it's like Moses coming down the mountain after encountering God and the Israelites can't look upon his face and he has to cover his face. And, oh, where was I going with that? Um, I mean, I think it it circles back to what we were saying at the beginning about how Christ is the light, but that we have to, but we have to walk in the light and take on this light ourselves and be this light, as in we need to let Christ shine from within us, which sounds very cheesy, but it's also just really true, Uh, (laughs) you know? And I remember when I've talked about this on the podcast before too, but I remember when I was first discerning with the monastery, like I had already, I guess not first discerning, I had already applied, I'd already been accepted. So I was entering at this point and all of these guys just started asking me out, right? And it wasn't even like these were guys who knew that I was entering the monastery and they were trying to like convince me otherwise or something like that. These were guys who had no idea that I was discerning. They were secular guys who would have not even understood what I was doing. And, but they're just all of a sudden asking me out all over the place. And I mean, I had, I had guys asking me out before. I'm not trying to say that this just all of a sudden happened, but, but it was just greatly, um, amplified, like exponentially. Yeah. Amplified, increased. I think increased is what I want. 
And <laughs> one of our mutual friends, Father Michael, uh, said to me, she was like, <laughs> which anyways, um, she's like, I don't understand. Like, why are all these guys asking you out? You're not even that pretty. I mean, you're like average, but <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> a little bit of button right now. Um, but uh, do you know who this is? If not, I'll tell you after. No, but, but uh, another mutual <laughs> friend said the exact same thing about me. <laughs> when I went one time, I was already a priest, and the, and the, and a mutual friend of ours had become attracted to me, and she wasn't. It didn't have faith, but uh-huh. she still responded when she when she formed a crush. She she responded very very well, and she's like, mm-hmm. basically, I I I love that you're committed to God, and so I'm not going to do anything, whatever, whatever. And after she did this, our me and my real friend goes like. Uh-huh. Like man, there must be something else because like you're you're not that good looking. Like it, like, like she she's so far out of your league. I'm like, yeah, thanks, but yeah, appreciate it. Um, so yeah, so similar similar thing happened here, and but I I think there is something to when we are pursuing holiness, um, Christ's presence becomes stronger in us, more obvious mm-hmm. to other people, and there's an attractiveness there, and so. So if you're uh, trying to get a spouse, then go be holy is what I'm exactly. saying. <laughs> That's- and also, in, we, we see in 2 Corinthians 4 about um, to be earthen vessels. And I think mm-hmm. that that's, you know, with the carrying within us the light of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what also characterizes Fotina so well, because she was mm-hmm. earthen vessels, are are only the simple because there's also golden vessels. So we're meant to be earthen vessels, not golden vessels. In other words, the the simple humbleness, um, humility, and humbleness of, of an earthen <laughs> vessel carries the glory of Christ, and and it doesn't distract. It doesn't distract even from those who who obviously Christ. We we could never distract from the glory of Christ. But if people are are not looking for Christ, rather looking for some sort of human affirmation. Um, they're going to look at the vessel more than the light. And so if we're a more simple earth vessel, that's why at the end of the gospel in John, with Fotina is so beautiful that they say, we don't need her witness anymore. In other words, she mm-hmm. has been a good earthen vessel. We know, we've now encountered you. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Fotina is both the enlightened, full of light, Christ light, and the earthen vessels that carries him. Which I think that this is part of, um, again, this is a repeat because of other times we've talked about transfiguration, but... Like when, when the disciples, like I get Peter, I totally get Peter when his response to this glory is to say, Jesus, let's stay up here. Can we just stay up here in this glory and in this light? And I really think Jesus's response is meant to say like, you have to go back down. Like you can't just stay up here in the glory you need to receive this glory, take it on and bring it down the mountain to others so that other people can also encounter this, right? And that's the the very first poem I ever wrote was about that experience of this realizing that we're called to go up the mountain in order to encounter God, uh, but to realize that the mountain is not the love, that that our encounter with him is meant to share with others so that they can fall in love. And... Um, I think that's how I would summarize. I think this message of be the light is like help others to fall in love with Jesus. And, uh, and that only happens when we fall in love with him ourselves first. I, amen. And that's, that's the entire goal. Holiness that then, that then emanates to use a image that is light emanates from us. Um, th- there's also something I'm going to use for my next homily, whether I'm stealing from you. Um, that's how I feel going into any fasting period. I'm like, can't we just stay here, <laughs> like on the top of the mountain? And we're entering a fasting period in just a couple of weeks after this comes out. Probably we'll already be in the Phillips fast and the in, in the Nativity fast. Which we, for you Roman Catholics listening, we we do we Byzantines do a 40 day preparation for Christmas like we do for Pascha. And before going into the fast, that's always how I feel. I'm like, no, I want to stay here where I don't need to think about <laughs> what I'm eating and what I'm, how I'm praying and stuff like that. Um, I, I also want to say just one thing that came to mind, and we don't have time to go into detail, but maybe if you have like a, a one-liner mother, I'd love to hear, because I, I'm i one of those, teen when I was a teenager in middle school and high school, 
I was one of those guys who loved hanging out at massive parties and Seek is like one big party. It's you know, mm-hmm. you have the coolest people there, you have the best speakers there, you have great music. We're gonna there, be there. Great you know, we're gonna I be there, to right? So we're gonna be there podcasting. <laughs> um so we'll be there and whatever the podcasting booth is. Uh, every year it changed a little bit and I love it every year. Um, my favorite though was the big fishbowl, the big, back when I was a Catholic mm-hmm. stuff, you should know, we, we, we recorded in the big fishbowl and it was great. Um, but they're all, every time I'd go to an event like that, I would always have a sense of like, I'm not cool enough. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm, I wish I was different. I wish I could dance, but I wish I could talk, but I wish I was funny or I wish I had more friends. And I know there are a lot of young people that, that feel that way at Seek as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my, whether you, if you have anything to say, mother, I would love that. But I just like an encouragement for those who are going to Seek. Um, first of all, just pray. Pray for yourselves, but also pray for those who come that are that are going to have a moment of the Holy Spirit, um, and pray that they that whatever shyness or insecurity or whatever it may be does not get shame, does not get in the way of of having a good experience. Uh, but also, if you are going to seek and you're one of the cool kids, um, just also just be attentive to those who who may want to have a really good experience there, both spiritually with our Lord and also with the gathered Catholic community because it really is an amazing event and an amazing experience. Um, but just be a little more aware of of those who may need that encouragement to to have, feel the the more human aspects of a joyful experience like what Seek is. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. I think you said it very beautifully. Okay. I always felt like I was never cool. And uh yeah. So I was always that person. I like how you said felt. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It was at Seek a few years ago, and we we had a listener. I think they were a Catholic stuff listener, and then they were also what God is not. And it was so funny. And you're you're gonna you're gonna love this mother when we go there because you're 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 actually famous now with the whole movie thing and the Matt Frad thing. But anyway, but it's it's so funny that like we get this opportunity for the the people that you want to meet and then people like suddenly want to meet you. And it's it's really cool that this guy came up one time and he's like, so my he's like, I great, they shook, you know, shook my hand, took a selfie, and then he's like, you know, I me and my me and my wife are are going out for lunch. Is there any chance you'd want to go? I was like, oh yeah, sure. And he was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I I love this. Like like literally like, the gift like of a food. meal with two interesting <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah, like, like this is this is great. The fact that you're you're you you find joy in this too. All right, there we go. Let's do it. So yeah, um, I'm excited. Get ready for It'll lots really of selfies fun. with you, mother. It okay, will I'll pack my makeup. <laughs> it's a joke because yeah. I don't wear makeup. <laughs> Not that I did before. I was a nun. If I'm being honest. <laughs> I was never about the makeup. I may just turn to be a fool for yeah. Christ by then, so maybe I will wear makeup just to just to be That's like real what weird. The heck? Don't do that. That's <laughs> a terrible idea. Clown makeup. <laughs> You're going to confuse people. Um, I just I do want to be very clear since I just said that I didn't wear makeup before I was a nun. This is not because of any moral stance. <laughs> I don't want the women out there who wear makeup to think that Mother Natalia is opposed to makeup. <laughs> Mother Natalia is extremely lazy, and makeup took a lot of work, more than makeup. Cleaning the makeup off your face takes so much work. And when I'm done with the day, I want to go to bed. I like sleep. I'd like to just get in my pajamas and go directly to bed. And so that's why I didn't wear makeup because I'm lazy, not because I was morally opposed. Just I also do want to identify you as <laughs> hashtag privileged um, in all of this because you you really don't need makeup. Neither does my sister, neither does my mom. There, there are women who really don't wear skin. makeup who yeah. really don't need it. You do, and yeah. and there there are some women who don't, and so even if they're they may be lazy too, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it also may be very worth it for them in their own mind, um, because I'm not saying anybody should wear makeup. Of course not. Um, my dad was still to me when I was very young. I'm, I'm digging myself a hole here. I totally can see that. Well, if I'd ask him, like, like he's like you, you don't understand, like. Every girl, I probably said something really stupid when I was like in second grade or something about some girl being ugly or something like that. And he came, my dad, like righteous anger. He's like, there are wow. no girls are ugly. He's like, Good every job, girl created by God is beautiful in their interior 
soul and in the the potential and and exteriorly and I was like like I remember him like my dad did not get mad I, I don't think I yeah. ever saw him mad like maybe a little bit frustrated sometimes but never mad but I mean he came down he was he was like like do not let those words leave your mouth again that a girl is ugly I was like okay yeah. so I I still remember that but but there there's still um there's still yeah you you are to use that word you you are privileged because you are beautiful and you have good skin so um I could see that because your dad like I feel beautiful when I'm in your dad's presence. Like your dad just makes women feel beautiful. So I can see that. He's a good man. This he does. Thank God. Okay. Um, I am going to give, um, well, I'll spiel first. And then uh, I'm going to keep it very short because we're kind of tight on time. While you think of your prayer intention, Father Michael. So uh, we're on all of the social media platforms. And except Twitter is only Father Michael. That's at Padre Michael O is his handle, I think is the word. And we also have a Goodreads page, which is fantastic. I'm currently reading the Jordan Peterson book, which I think hasn't gone up there yet, so I probably shouldn't have put that spoiler, but it is so good. Uh, And that will eventually go up there. And we have our nonprofit that we talked about, Fotina. That's P-H-O-Tina.org. And you can support us on Patreon and uh, go to the SEAT conference. There's that. And you'll see us there, hopefully. Um, I mean, we are going there, but hopefully you'll see us is what I mean. And I think that's good for now because time. And for those who do support our nonprofit... I wanted to give five thank yous. We're still catching up. (laughs) We have only 66 more to go before we're caught up. So I want to thank (laughs) Vince O from Georgia, Tim T from Texas. That's fun. Tim T from Texas. Um, Kwong N from Massachusetts. Is M A (laughs) Massachusetts? I can guess the last name. Is M A? Yeah, is M A Massachusetts? It is, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and then John H from Siri. California. What is M A? <laughs> John H from California and Walt W from New Jersey. So thank you all for your support. Uh, Father Michael, can we do a reverse and you can give your prayer intention first? Because I don't know mine. Sure, sure. All right. Um, I will ask y'all to please pray for what I mentioned earlier. Just pray for those who go to seek who, who, for whatever reason, um, do not uh, will struggle in the beginning. Hopefully, that'll be resolved because um, people that go to seek are amazingly beautiful in general. Although they're a couple weirdos, um, but uh, but the those who go who struggle to really find communion with Christ and struggle to find communion with each other who may be lonely or sad or feel left out or feel shamed, whatever it may be, um, because of the work of the devil and that, uh, that seek itself may truly be a light and those that attend may truly be a light to them to, to welcome them into the, uh, the community of the body of Christ and, uh, and give them that both human and spiritual rest and comfort and conviction. Mm-hmm. And I will ask for prayers um, because he was one of my prayer intentions in baking the prosphora today uh, for Jordan Peterson and his family because I'm praying for him and you should too. That's what I got. Uh, great. Well, good to see you, Father Michael. Um, all frustration has passed, so you can rest in peace. <laughs> that sounded like that a threat. Was so much quicker. <laughs> that was so much quicker than usual, Mother. I'm talking. I'm, I'm All right, don't, don't bring it back. I'm totally okay. Kidding. I'm totally uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I love you. <laughs> I love you too. Can you give us a blessing, please? My Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May you appreciate and be gra- uh, full of gratitude, be truly thankful for your baptism when you became enlightened. Um, for those of you that are not baptized, may you listen to our Lord's promptings and his drawing you close and inviting you into his own uh, body and blood, his own eternal life with you that he offers through 
the spiritual death and resurrection, the very real death and resurrection that is baptism. May you not be ashamed of your sins, but take the great Saint Photina, um, the true earthen vessel, the enlightened one as an example, as an intercessor. May you find in the scriptures, especially the references to light, may you always find an invitation to Christ who is the true light and who allows us to become the same. May you, in any of your evangel evangelical or receiving evangelization from others, any of those endeavors, may you truly be thankful what our Lord's doing. And may, if you are involved in focus at all, may you find confidence in the work of the Spirit through that organization. And may you truly have confidence and joy in inviting others into the, into the church. Um, and so many, especially in universities, through focus and through seek. Merrill bless all of you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 